Hey there, everybody. Welcome to the NFL Roadshow Fantasy 15 edition for week 13. Uh, we're still calling it the Fantasy 15, even though it's totally not 15 minutes. I, I was like close to 15 for about one week. And then it, you know, but like Fantasy 20, there's no alliteration there. It just doesn't work. So just roll with me. Uh, anyways, these are my favorite fantasy plays. Uh, the things that jump out at me the most for week 13 at all of the key position groups. Well, not really. I don't do kicker or defense, but you can figure that out on your own. But quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. And uh, the first thing that you need to know about this week from a fantasy standpoint, because like last week was kind of gloomy in fantasy, particularly the early slate on Sunday. Just didn't really get there. Like the point production, the matchups were kind of blah. This slate is great. There are so many good matchups, especially in the afternoon, where there are three great games and two with really high point totals. Chiefs-Bengals, the highest of the week at 52.5 and and just a a 1.5 point spread in favor of the Chiefs. Also, love the Chargers-Raiders matchup at 49.5 points. It was my favorite game of the year last year in Week 18. Uh, Did not get there from a point standpoint the last time they played each other in week one of this season, but a lot has changed since then for both teams, and I'm really looking forward to that game. Then there's Dolphins-Niners, which isn't expected to be quite as high scoring, but man, there are a ton of fantasy weapons in that game, and what a fun chess match also between the coach that Aditi Kinkabwala increased my fandom of exponentially on Wednesday's podcast, Mike McDaniel, and his former boss, Kyle Shanahan, that one, I think it will be tremendously fun. I kind of wish that those games, frankly, those three were all primetime this week because they are definitely good enough for national attention. And frankly, the primetime games on Sunday and Monday, I could kind of take or leave. Colts, Cowboys, Saints, Bucks, both have one Eastern regional broadcast written all over them. Speaking of the 1 p.m. slate, there are eight games there. I think the best ones from a pure football standpoint are Titans, Eagles, and Jets, Vikings, which both have 44 and a half point totals. The highest scoring game in that window is expected to be Jags-Lions at 50 and a half. So I think that that game is somewhat attractive for fantasy also. Lowest point totals of the week are Broncos-Ravens, Commanders-Giants, and Saints-Bucks. So maybe keep that in mind if you've got an either-or decision that involves players from one of those games. Also, I think I'd stay away from everybody on the Rams this week. I've heard a lot of questions, including Kyron Williams in either-or scenarios. And if you have to play him, and I know that running back is tough right now, then that's different. But if you have other options, please don't feel like you need to squeeze him in. He is a timeshare running back in a bad offense with almost no intentional starters around him in a game with a low point total where his team is expected to get blown out. The situation does not scream play this running back. And frankly, quite a few matchups this week do. So let's go ahead and get to those. Put 15 minutes on the clock. We'll blow past that (laughs) and see how long it goes. And let's break the huddle. Oh, yeah, let's go. All right, starting with the quarterback. Lots of options this week. I really liked Burrow last week. Talked him up on this podcast. It did not get where I wanted to go. It wasn't bad, but I was definitely looking for more than 18 points from him in that matchup. And I think that we will get it this week. So I'm going back to that well against Kansas City, against whom quarterbacks have cleared 20 points six times in the last 11 games. Well, 11 games this season. That's the total number of games, Lindsay. That's how math works. The point total for the game is incredibly high. It's a 
raise your game kind of matchup, I think, for both quarterbacks. They will need to play well in order to win the game. And $6,900 is just way too low for a guy with a 30-plus point ceiling like Burrow, in my opinion. So I like him a lot. I also really like Justin Herbert this week at $7,200. And I know some of you are probably rolling your eyes. I've made it very clear I'm a big fan. But I have also literally said here quite a few times that I did not like his fantasy situation, even when the matchup was good, because the offense wasn't clicking, the O-line was banged up, and he did not have his full complement of receivers. Well, Keenan is back, and that has appeared to help. We saw Herbert get to 28 points last week, and I think that that is definitely a possibility this week. The matchup is great. Raiders defense is bottom 10 in yards, points, and passing yards allowed. They allow the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks, and the game has a high point total. And I like it to get there. Did you know that games in Vegas are averaging 53 points a game this year? That's second only to Detroit. I like the script here. I think that the game will be competitive. I think it'll be high scoring, and Herbert much like Burrow, will need to make plays to win. And while there is some interception risk for him in that situation, it's definitely less versus Vegas, which only has four picks on the year. Also, he's almost guaranteed to get credit for whatever touchdowns they score since they've pretty much abandoned the concept of actual runs. Uh, Also, Las Vegas has allowed nine QB1 performances this year, and I think that Herbert could do that this week. Justin Fields at $7,400. His price has finally caught up with his production. Now he's the fourth most expensive quarterback on the slate. I still think the only quarterbacks that I would start over him at this point, not in DFS because that's a different story, but in season long are Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. He's just been, I mean, obviously Josh Allen, but he's not on the slate here. Um, He's been so good this season. He has such a low floor because of the rushing volume. And Green Bay gives it up on the ground. Look, you may pull up his stats and see that he only scored eight points against the Packers in week two. Throw it out. That was before they started using him the way that they are using him, the right way to use him. Everything is different for him. It's a good matchup. And as long as he's healthy, which he appears to be two full practices and he's off the injury report, fire him up. There are a few guys on the lower end this week that I think could have big weeks also, starting with the guy who has arguably the best matchup of the week, and that is Trevor Lawrence. Lions are allowing the most fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. Defense is awful. And their offense isn't bad, which actually helps us for script purposes. He has also been playing really well. In the last three games, Trevor Lawrence has six touchdowns, no interceptions, a 114 passer rating, and a 77% completion percentage. He's been a top six quarterback in four of his last six games in fantasy. And he's only $5,900 on DraftKings, which of course opens up a lot of other high-end guys for you. Now that said, believe it or not, there's someone even less expensive than Lawrence that I am going to start in my Fantasy Zone channel DFS competition. And that is Jets superstar Mike White who is $5,400 on DraftKings and who balled out last week against Chicago. QB6 of the week threw for 315 yards and three touchdowns. It is 100% possible that this is a massive overreaction on my part and it costs me dearly. But I think he's got the weapons to put up a good line again. And the Vikings have allowed the most passing yards in the NFL this season. And 
five of the last six starting quarterbacks to face them have scored 20 or more against them, including Mac Jones last week. One more quarterback for you, shockingly less than Mike White in daily, and still worth mentioning, Jared Goff. Look, I'm not playing him anywhere, but it's not an awful play. If you need someone for Superflex or a contrarian play for DFS, he's just $5,300. He's shown the ability to hit 20 and 30. He just doesn't do it that often. So yeah, the floor is super low, but the game total is high, and five of the last six quarterbacks to play Jacksonville have finished in the top 10 that week, scoring an average of 24 points per game in that time. couple buyer bewares to pass along. Uh, you're playing these guys in season long. I just want you to have this on your radar. Well, actually, you might not play the second guy. Anyway, I'll get to that. Okay, so Tua first. Uh, we talked a lot about him on the podcast this week. He's having an outstanding season. I just want you to know that the Niners defense is really good. They've only allowed an average of 13 points per game to quarterbacks on the year. 13. Uh, now, uh, clearly, not all of them are as good as Tua, but again, 13 points per game. That's the average that they're giving up. They have only allowed nine passing touchdowns on the season, and they've only allowed one touchdown total in the last four weeks. And it looks like they're getting Eric Armstead back this week. So again, just have it on your radar and maybe expect a slightly lower output than you would traditionally get from Tua. Lamar Jackson has a tough matchup too. Broncos offense is bad, but their defense has not been. They only have nine passing touchdowns allowed on the season and only one rushing touchdown. Uh, looking ahead to the running backs. I love this week for running back options. High, mid, low, all of it. So let's start with the high end. And the second most expensive running back on the slate, Austin Eckler, who is $8,500. His usage has been a freaking roller coaster this year. 14 rush attempts and four catches in week one when they played the Raiders the last time. Then last week, he had five rush attempts and 11 catches. They completely flipped the script in terms of the way that they use him. They completely abandoned the run in the game. They've done that a few times this year. They just tried to get him the ball through the air, which is part of the reason, frankly, that Herbert's dot was so low. Um has been so low at times. He's just dumping off to Eckler half the time. That brings the number way down. But the thing that is most important here for us is that Eckler's usage, if it's going to be one or the other in terms of run or pass, which seems to be this year with the Chargers, we want it to be what it's been most recently, right? We want it to be in the passing game. So he's racking up PPR points for us every time he touches the ball. Dude has 22 more catches than the next closest running back on the season. And the Raiders happen to have allowed the most receiving yards and catches to running backs this season. It is a match made in fantasy heaven, frankly, for both backs in this game. Because on the other side, if Josh Jacobs is healthy enough to go, um, he's likely to go and go and go and go when he gets the ball. Chargers are allowing a historically bad 5.4 yards per carry. He's $7,900 on DraftKings. Only reason to pivot off of him is the calf which he had to convince his coaches to let him stay in the game and play through last week. They've been resting him this week. My guess is that he goes, but there is a risk, I think, that it catches up to him at some point. Another game that I'm focused on for running back purposes, Cleveland versus Houston. This is a total smash spot for Nick Chubb against a Texans defense that's allowed more rushing yards than 
any other team this season, five different guys have gone for 100-plus on the ground against them. They're allowing an average of 29 points per game to running backs in fantasy. And I think in Watson's first game back, it makes sense to kind of ease him in a little bit. So Chubb is high priority for DFS at $8,000. The other running back in that game, I think, is a little bit more nuanced. So Damian Pierce is obviously a very talented running back. But he's been bad these last couple weeks. Like, less than six points total combined in two games bad. Like, 16 yards on 15 attempts bad. Just bad. So it's a risk. But I think this is the best matchup he's going to have for the rest of the year. Cleveland is allowing the second most fantasy points to running backs behind only Pierce's own defense. They've allowed 14 different running backs to score double digits against them. I think I would be very surprised if Damian Pierce did not join that list. I don't think he's going to have a huge game, but I do think that, I don't know, 12 you could get from him. And you could definitely do worse at his price, just $5,900 on DraftKings. That said, I do like Jamal Williams a little bit better for only $100 more. He's totally touchdown dependent, but he keeps scoring touchdowns. He has five in the last three games and seven in the last five games. He has 13 rushing touchdowns on the year, more than any other running back. Do they use him in the passing game? No, they do not. Does he have a single target in the last month? No, he does not. But hey, he's on a heater, so let's let it ride, which is very different than let's ride. That doesn't work. As for the other running back in that game, it sounds like Etienne is going to be back. So that's good news in season long. I don't love him in daily this week. I'd rather have two other guys that are kind of in his price range playing in an NFC North showdown against one another. And that's David Montgomery at $6,200 and Aaron Jones at 69. The latter, Jones, scored 32 fantasy points against Chicago the last time they faced each other in week two, and he is still the best thing that Green Bay has going for them. And David Montgomery ran for a buck 22 in that game, an average of 8.1 yards per carry. Another thing that Aaron Jones has going for him this week, he celebrated a birthday on Friday. So if you're into birthday narratives like my radio producer Sandro is, then add that to the list of reasons to fire him up this week. Another guy who's going to be super popular this week is Zonovan Knight, who came into the game last week for the Jets after Michael Carter went down and really played well. 17 touches, 103 scrimmage yards. He forced nine missed tackles in that one game alone. Now it looks like Carter is going to be out again. He's listed as doubtful. And Knight, a very popular waiver wire ad, is only $4,600. Vikings haven't been particularly bad against the run on the year, but... They have allowed four running backs to score 15-plus fantasy points in the last three games, and Pollard got to 33 on Thanksgiving. Looking at the wide receivers now on the high end, worth noting that it looks like Jamar Chase will be back this week, and while there's no way to know if they're going to ease him in against Kansas City, it is worth noting that the matchup is great and he's had a ton of success against them previously. Two games, 17 catches, 320 receiving yards, and four touchdowns. I think it's worth the risk at $7,900. Don't hate Higgins at $7,200 either. Don't particularly love Tyler Boyd in this game, though. Not only has his volume been kind of sporadic and low lately, but according to PFF's wide receiver cornerback matchup chart, he's got a below-average matchup this week against Legereus Sneed, who is PFF's highest-graded corner when lined up in the slot. I love A.J. Brown this week at $7,800 in a revenge game against Tennessee. I think it will likely mean a lot to him 
to go against the team that traded him away. And we've seen teams take advantage of that in the past. Plus, Tennessee is allowing the six most points per game to wide receivers. So A.J. Brown, I'm particularly excited about. Debo Samuel, just want to make sure his injury is on your radar. He's dealing with a thigh issue that apparently hasn't loosened up the way that they hoped that it would. He's officially listed as questionable for the Niners. But this quote from Shanahan Friday morning kind of concerns me. He said, quote, he's got to do something today to give him a chance to be a game time decision. If somebody has to work really hard for the right to be a game time decision, I'm not sure that's somebody that I particularly want to fire up in fantasy, even if the matchup is good. Um, Amonra St. Brown at $7,100 is a guy that I am interested in. His matchup against Jacksonville is good. His volume has been there. He is fifth amongst wide receivers and targets since week eight with 48. He also leads the league in yak yards in that time since week eight. And he's coming off his fifth career 100-yard game. I like that one. Uh, I've also got my eye on uh, a low-end guy there for Detroit in that matchup, and that's DJ Chark. He has not had a great year in Detroit, but he's going up against his old team from Jacksonville. Again, revenge narrative. You want a dart throw at wide receiver at $3,800. I would not be surprised to see him make a big play in this one a week after scoring his first touchdown of the year on Thanksgiving. Other side of that game has some nice wideouts available for us. Frankly, I really like Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. I've said frankly a lot today. I'm going to work on that for the rest of the episode. And while Zay was the guy with the big fantasy numbers last week, wide receiver four with 27 points, Kirk was still really heavily targeted in that game. He saw the ball come his way nine times. And now he gets Detroit, which has been crushed by slot guys. Do you remember Isaiah McKenzie's big day on Thanksgiving? You're like, that's random Isaiah McKenzie. Why was it not random? Because he's a slot guy and they give up points to slot receivers. I think Kirk has a big week. I don't think that Zay is a bad play either, by the way. 24 targets in the last two games and he is so inexpensive at $4,900. Kirk, by the way, is $6,300. As for the Chargers, I like Keenan this week at $6,500. He hasn't had a big breakout since he's been back from injury or this season period. But since he's been back from injury, he's been he's been good despite not being the guy in either of those games for the Chargers. He scored 12 points. He scored 15 points. You'll take that. And I think that this game, uh, they go to him more in a huge game for Los Angeles against a team that gives up a lot of passing yards and 34 points per game to wide receivers. That's the Raiders, of course. Doesn't look like we'll see Mike Williams, so that puts Josh Palmer and DeAndre Carter back in play. The former who led Los Angeles in week 11 and the latter who led LA in week 12. Palmer is priced at $5,600. Carter is super inexpensive at $3,900. That's really cheap for someone who had seven catches on 10 targets for 73 yards and a touchdown just one week ago. Obviously, that's not his usage every week. He only had three targets the week before, but in a game that could be a shootout, so to speak, I think that he could become an interesting play. As for the Raiders, I think Hollins fits that bill also at $4,200. I especially like him compared to other lower-end wide receivers because of his snap share. He's been on the field for at least 96% of his team's offensive snaps in each of the last three games. They've got guys they use. They have like four of them on the Raiders on offense, uh, at the skill positions anyway, and they don't really sub them out. So the opportunity is kind of always there for all four of them, and he has 20 targets in the last three games as a result. 
Other mid to low end guys I like, I mean, Garrett Wilson is priced at $5,300. So that's $1,000 more expensive than he was last week. And I still like the price. He's gone over 20 points two times in the last four games and over 17 in three of the four. The connection with Mike White last week was evident, as was the difference that a more accurate quarterback could make for him. Hit him in stride, pick up some yak yards. I like this pairing very much. Uh, Drake London has dealt with concerns about his quarterback pairing all season long, but the matchup this week against Pittsburgh, which allows the most points per game to wide receivers in the league, is good, noted. He's $4,700. That game should also be a good environment for George Pickens. Falcons allowing the fourth most points per game to wide receivers. Ten guys have posted double digits against them in the last seven games, and four of them went over 20. So the tight end position, and now we get to the grossness. You guys, this position is so tough, especially when you don't have access to Arizona, and a team playing Arizona, I guess, is the way I should phrase that, because the Cardinals are on a bye. And the Seahawks, who are the other team that gives up a ton of points to tight ends, they're playing the Rams, who have stopped throwing to Higby in the last few weeks so that he can stay in and block. I'm not sure that makes sense to me since he's the lone legit starter that they have left at a skill position. And I wouldn't be 100% shocked to see them throw to him this week because of the matchup, but I certainly cannot advocate for you playing him under the circumstances. I think I will advocate for Hayden Hurst, though, against Kansas City. So have you guys been following this drama this week? Justin Reed, plays for the Chiefs, said that he would lock him down. Although he called him T. Higgins, he wasn't sure what the guy's name was. And then it came out that the person he was actually talking about was Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst then says, I'm the last person that you want to talk shit about. I've got a long memory. Then we saw T. Higgins wearing a Hurst jersey in the locker room. I think that they're going to try and get him the ball and that he will be extra motivated to make a point in this matchup. I also think there's going to be a lot of points in this game and therefore opportunities for him to score. And that's what we're looking for at tight end. As for other matchup advantages, I don't know, Foster Morrow, maybe against the Chargers, they give up a lot of points to tight ends and he's on the field all the time. Like I said, with Hollins, Gerald Everett on the other side in that game, maybe the Raiders are also giving up points to tight ends, relatively speaking. On the lower end, perhaps Harrison Bryant becomes interesting with David Njoku out just because it narrows down the pool of candidates at tight end and they have tight ends on the field regularly. I don't know if that changes now that Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. Do you still roll out 13 personnel on the reg when you have a quarterback like that? We'll find out. A few buyer bewares though, and this is the last thing you want to hear at the tight end position because there are only a handful of guys that you feel comfortable playing in the first place, but Mark Andrews is playing Denver. Um, I don't think this is the week to pay up for him in DFS at $6,600 for a few reasons. One, he's not been the Mark Andrews that we're used to these last few weeks. I don't know if that's related to his injury or the offense kind of being blah, but he was on a heater earlier this year, scoring 20 plus in four of five games. The last time we saw that guy was week six. And he's been 100% playable since then. Uh, These last few weeks, especially at tight end, you'll take 12 points and 11 points. I just want to point out that he's not in the ballpark of his ceiling at this point. And the matchup is tough this week. Only three tight ends have scored more than seven points against the Broncos. Only three have scored more than seven, you guys. And the max against them has been 13.5. I'm also not sure that this is going to be Hawkinson's best week. And I'm bummed to say that because I originally plugged him into my DFS lineup because I just didn't like anybody but Mark Andrews or Hawkinson, and Hawkinson has been 
heavily utilized by the Vikings. He's a big part of the offense. I think that the game is going to be good. So I was like, oh, Hawk. And then I went and did some more research. Guys, the Jets defense has been really good against tight ends. Only two of them have scored double digits against New York. And no one has scored more than 14 points. So uh, again, in season long, Andrews, Hawkinson, 100%. I'm not thinking twice. But in DFS, is this the week? Do you pay up for them or do you go down and just take like a dart, you know, and hope it hits? And I kind of think that I'm going to go in that direction. All right. So we went over 15 again. It is what it is. I throw my hands up. There's too much to say. Anyway, I hope the 20 minutes of fantasy analysis uh, (laughs) is somewhat helpful for you. I hope you either win money or your season-long matchup. It's kind of been a minute since I won the daily competition on Fantasy Zone channel on DirecTV, and it bothers me more than it should, to be honest. In fact, I've uh, fallen out of first place, and I am highly, highly motivated this week to reclaim my rightful crown. So hopefully the people that I've spent the last 15 plus minutes talking about actually hit this weekend because I am not playing anybody that I didn't talk about here. My Twitter handle, if you have other questions about players who fall into that category of players I didn't talk about here is Lindsay underscore Rhodes. I'm at Lindsay Rhodes NFL on Instagram. I will try to answer as many of you as I can, but I do love hearing from you and appreciate those of you who reach out. Similarly, I appreciate all of you who have taken a second to rate and review the pod on the platform that you're listening on. That helps us grow. And if you're interested in hearing more episodes like this, then hit that subscribe button, foo. We've got episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and then the Fantasy 15 every Friday. Big thanks today to Chris Tyler for producing the show and sticking with me on a hectic day. The NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. Have a great weekend, everybody. Back on Sunday. I hope you like. SiriusXM Podcasts.